Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33. Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Story Jumpers, welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast. Are you ready to hear a great story? Of course, that's why you're a story jumper. Nick is an angry teen with a desperate mother who both miss his father, and a shadow is lurking in the background. Things are going from bad to worse after another argument with his mom when she gives Nick a handwritten, leather-bound copy of a very old book, a family legend passed down through generations. The book, called Dragon Seed, leads Nick deep into his family's legacy and introduces him to another angry young man who lived in the shadows. Enjoy this reading of Dragon Seed by author Marty Machowski. Chapter 1. The Voice of the Shadow You can't tell me what to do! Nick Freeman thundered past a pile of books at the edge of the living room, his stride sending the stack flying as he stormed down the hall. I already said I was just down the street at Tony's. I'm not a baby, Mom. A faint shadow swirled above him, but only his grandmother, who sat just out of the way in the corner rocker, noticed. Mary shouted back at her son, "'You know better than to speak to me that way, Nick. This conversation is far from over. If you think it's okay to just leave the house at all hours of the night, you've got another thing coming.' "'I can leave if I want. Don't try to stop me.' As the door to his room slammed shut and cut off his words, she sank to the couch, with hands shaking. Breathing rapidly, she closed her eyes. Lord, I don't know how many more of these fights I could take. Why do I have to face these teenage years alone? Oh, sweetie? A soft voice broke through Mary's stormy thoughts. I'm so sorry this hurts so bad. But honey, you're the opposite of alone in this. Anna Cummings had been quietly praying as her daughter woke up that Saturday morning in a frenzy after not finding Nick in his bed. It had taken her an hour of calling friends and neighbors to figure out where he was, and the argument that had followed his indifferent re-entry into the house was not for the faint of heart. We've got to figure out some actions here, Mary. Why did God have to take Matt from us so early, Mom? Nick adored him. Every word he said was gold. I thought with time Nick would start to heal and start to find things to smile about again. But ever since he turned 15, his anger has just exploded at everything around him, especially me. A gentle answer turns away wrath, the elderly woman replied. It's obvious Nick is at a crossroads here, Mary. He's going to have to make a choice about his anger. He needs to know that his mom is not his enemy. Mary turned to answer her mom, whose crackled but kind voice calmed her. She sat covered with a crocheted comforter. I'm afraid. He's been staying out later and later. I don't like the influence his friends are having on him, and that kid knows how to push my buttons, she said. 
What am I supposed to do? You know what to do. I don't know what to do, Mom. She ran her hands through her hair and then stepped into the foyer, which connected to two rooms and hall. Was I this stubborn as a child? Was it this hard? Anna smiled. Harder. It always feels harder when it's your own child. But remember, it's hard for Nick, too. She let those words sink in for a moment and then added, I think it's time for you to pass on the story. With those words, a second shadow fled down the hall. Mary paused. I've thought about it, but what if it doesn't work? Or what if he thinks I'm trying to tell him what to do? What if he makes fun of it? What if he doesn't read it? Oh, he'll read it. You remember how the story takes hold of you? Plus, it becomes a scary story when you realize that it's not just a tale. It's real. Teenagers love a scary story. It's not every family that has a legend to pass on to its children. Do you think it's true? Mary had always wanted to ask her mom that question. The story? I know it's true. Not the story. The part about how we got the story, Mary said. Doesn't much matter if he was our great far-off grandfather or not. He was someone's great far-off grandfather living among the tombs, possessed by evil, hearing voices all the day long until he was set free? But do you think it's true? Was the story passed down from him, or was it made up by your father or grandfather? My father passed it to me, saying his father passed it to him. That's all I know, Anna said, and then continued. I believe it's true. I've seen a shadow lurking about that boy. Give him the book, Mary. The time is right. You must give it in the right season, you know. Pass it on too early and children forget it. Pass it on too late? Well, then it's just too late. But I think the time is right now. The shadow is already feeling his heart. That is why it's so easy for him to disrespect you. And yet he's not so far given over that he won't read the story. I don't know. Are you sure? Go on, you know where we keep it, she said, and pointed to the center of the brick fireplace. Mary walked across the room to the left side of the fireplace. She slid out the last brick on the left, which sat directly under the massive oak mantel. She slipped her hand into a cavity and pulled down a thin, dark brown book. Okay, Mom, she said as she rubbed her index finger across the leather-bound cover. She remembered the day when, as a 13-year-old, the story had been passed on to her. Back then, she had taken the book from her father's hand, intending not to read it. She had been angry, too, but curiosity compelled her to turn the first pages. Then, the story drew her in. She couldn't bear the thought of losing Nick. For a moment, she stood paralyzed, too afraid to walk down the hall to Nick's room, but even more fearful to return the book to its hideaway. Nick pounded his fist against his bedroom door. The shadow swirled about him, but he didn't sense its presence. I'm sick of this. I can't do anything around here. Oh, you're older now. You're not in kindergarten anymore. She doesn't let you do anything. You could just sneak out again later. What could she say? The tempting words spewed from the shadow, filling Nick's thoughts, playing on his desires. 
Nick slipped his backpack off his shoulder, dropped to his knees, and reached into the half-zipped main compartment. Two heavy schoolbooks crashed against the wall as he emptied the pack. Into the void, he stuffed a sweatshirt that was clumped up next to his dresser. Looking over to the door, he eyed the center of the knob. He half-crawled a step, stretched his arm far out, and turned the lock with a flip of his finger. If Tony goes, I go, Nick said to himself. Digging further in the bag, he pulled out a phone with a web of cracks across the screen and slipped it into his pocket. What Mom doesn't know won't hurt her. You're a smart man, Nick, the shadow whispered. Nick stood to his feet and paced up and down the football rug next to his bed. Suddenly the toe of his shoe tripped on a hidden sock stuffed underneath and sent him stumbling forward across his beanbag chair into his desk. Anger bubbled up to the surface as he blurted out a few choice words. Stupid rug! Stupid room! He bellowed. He reached to the open desk drawer next to his window and pulled out a two-toned golf ball that had been rolling around. It was all he could do to not throw it straight through the window in disgust. Mary, encouraged by her mother's words, walked the long center hall to her son's bedroom door. Her footsteps sounded on the wooden floor announcing her approach. Hey, Nick, it's Mom, she said loud enough to carry through the hollow bedroom door. What do you want? He growled as he pulled the phone out of his pocket. He slid it and the golf ball under his pillow. We need to talk for a few minutes more. Nick looked around the room, kicked his backpack aside, then unlocked and opened the door. He briefly caught her expression then looked away from his mom and sighed. There's that look of disrespect. You've seen it a thousand times. The shadow spoke the temptation to Mary as she stood before the open door. I wish you wouldn't lock the door on me, she said. It's your door, the shadow whispered to Nick. It's my door. I'll lock it if I want. Nick owned the thought and rolled his eyes in disgust. Sometimes I like my door locked, he said. Mary took a deep breath and paused before she spoke. Look, I don't want to start arguing again. You've got to figure out what you're going to do about this disrespect. This is a real problem that's not going to go away. But right now, I'm not here to talk about that. Can I just sit down and show you something? Her calmer, steady tone, in spite of Nick's harsh words, caught him off guard. His shoulders relaxed. The shadow shrunk back. All I want to talk about right now is you not watching my every move like you're the police or something. It's not like I'm two and I need you to arrange all my little play dates. Nick, I don't think your attitude's a wise choice. Whatever. Mary took another steady breath and lowered herself to the edge of Nick's bed, holding out the book. I've been waiting to give this to you, she said simply. What is it? A book. My mom calls it our family legend. This story has been passed down through our family. I think it's time you take a look at it. You want to be treated like you're older? Well, here's the first step. Read it. It's been in our family for generations. What's it about? Dragons and things, she said as she moved it closer still. Dragons? Our family has a dragon story? The thought seemed a little ludicrous, yet the idea of a family legend intrigued him. Your dad liked it, too. Take a look for yourself. Mary handed the book to her son. Nick felt the well-worn cover. It was soft. It smelled like an old box that had been in the attic. The book drew his curiosity 
and he had always loved to read. "'Will you read it?' Mary looked into her son's eyes, hoping he would say yes. A part of Nick wanted to say no, but would this get his mom off his back for a while? It might be worth skimming a few pages just to get a break from the nagging. Plus, something about her tone had changed from their fight in the living room. Her calm, steady gaze was like a foot in the door to his heart, preventing him from shutting it tight against her. Nick paused, glanced into his mother's eyes, and answered, I'll read it. He jerked the book from his mother's hand, then burrowed into the corner of his bed, signaling her to leave. As she stood and started back down the hall, he shook a nagging thought from the corner of his heart. You didn't need to yank it from her. Back outside the door, a tear coursed down the side of Mary's face. She paused and called back, Thanks, Nick. Then she turned and made her way back to the front of the house. Nick glanced down and read the cover. Dragon Seed? He flipped through the first page of the story. The opening chapter started with introductions. So far, so boring, he thought. But he kept reading anyway. Chapter 2. The Birth of the Dragon With his thumb marking the page, Nick settled in against his headboard and looked down at the handwritten text. The pages were so yellow that he would have to be careful how he turned them. Then the first words caught his eye. You, my reader, are in danger. Pay attention carefully to what I'm about to tell you. You may already be infected. Have the seeds of darkness already begun to sprout in you? Nick sat up with a slight shiver. I, Tymar, write these words in my own hand. Within these pages, I'm passing to you my great far-off grandfather's story. People called him the Man of the Tombs. The account of his life has been passed from generation to generation within our family by spoken word. But it is not just his story. It is my story, and it is yours. That is why it cannot be forgotten, and why I have taken it upon myself to write down all that my father shared with me. I am confident the story has not yet lost its power, for it has penetrated my heart and transformed my life. It is my prayer it will do the same for you. When the tale is done, pay attention to the end. You will want to know what to do, how to protect yourself. I've assembled a collection of studies I call The Antidote. When you've finished the story, you'll better understand the danger you face. The Antidote will give you vital information, how to arm yourself for the battle at hand, and what to do if you find the dragon seed in your own heart. These studies are as important as the story itself. I implore you to resist the temptation to skip over them. Now, let me start by telling you about the nature of seeds. Perhaps you know how seeds grow. They are tiny specks, but once planted in the ground, when everything is just right, they sprout and grow into flowers, vegetables, and trees. The seeds look very different from what they become. An acorn is like a shiny, tiny ball wearing a brown hard hat, which you can hide in the palm of your hand but it grows to become a mighty tree, giving shade to all beneath its branches. A delicate dandelion seed can fly for miles, like a hot air balloon on the wind, but once it lands, it sends a deep root into the ground and spreads wide leaves to kill the nearby grass. Some seeds, you see, look pretty, but cause great damage when they grow. But there is one seed, the seed of pride 
which is the most terrible of all. It can remain upon the earth for a thousand years and never sprout a root, for it needs the tender soil of a human heart to grow. But should pride land upon a heart, it sends a deep and terrible root and grows into a horrid monster. That is why it bears the name dragon seed. Today these seeds float everywhere around us, and once a dragon seed lands on a heart, it sprouts in minutes. Think of a dragon seed like a pokeweed seed. When a pokeweed seed sprouts, it is a tiny plant with a little root you can pull with little effort. If it remains hidden, under a bush or around a corner, and is allowed to grow, however, it sends a strong carrot-like root deep into the soil. Even if you grasp it low, it snaps off at the ground, and the root keeps growing. So it is with dragon seeds sprouting in the heart. As a small prideful thought, it can be plucked out, but if allowed to grow, it twists and bends the mind toward evil. Jealousy sprouts, a root of blinding arrogance plunges deep, then a lying tongue forms, and from that the entire course of life for that person changes. Like a small rudder on a ship, the lying tongue turns a person's life away from God, and the ugly scales of bitterness, envy, hatred, lust, and anger begin to form. It wouldn't be too alarming if dragon seed was uncommon, and my experience with it rare. Unfortunately, though, dragon seed is everywhere and all around us. Anywhere you see a shadow swirl, you can be sure that dragon seeds are on the wind. Just like dandelion seeds, they float, eager to land and sprout on the smallest patch of earth. We are helpless to avoid them, and dragon seeds seem to outsmart the cleverest minds. Our only hope is that the prince, true to the promise, will kill the dragon and destroy his seeds once and for all. Oh! Have I not told you? There is a real dragon. He was the first to allow pride to sprout up in his heart. The dragon seeds that plague us today find their origin in him. A long time ago, before the first dragon seed was formed, every creature worshipped the king of the mountain. Their songs echoed for a thousand miles. The guardians of the mountain throng sang the most beautiful songs and served the king's every wish. The king's guardians formed the strongest and most magnificent army ever created. Their snowy white wings spanned 30 feet wide, tip to tip. Silken robes flowed from their shoulders under a highly polished breastplate of bronze. The soft ripples of fabric were cinched at the waist by a wide golden band. The arms and legs of the smallest of the guards appeared as though they were made of iron, chiseled of granite, popping with muscles. But on one fateful day, The lead guardian made a grave mistake. He turned his gaze away from the throne to admire himself. As he delighted in his own beauty, his heart grew cold toward the king. The very first dragon seed of pride formed within his heart. Then it sprouted and sent black roots to invade the core. That was the day the first dragon was born. Nick finished reading the introduction and turned the page, unable to help himself curiosity was getting the better of him. Outside the back door, Mia sent off a quick text, then dropped her phone out of sight back into her purse and pressed the doorbell. Back in the main part of the house, the doorbell rang a two-toned note, breaking the tentative quiet that settled on the house. Martha, Nick's older sister, flung open her bedroom door, bounded down the hall, and poked her head into the kitchen. "'That must be Mia. I'm heading out, Mom.' 
Mary turned away from the sink toward her daughter. Heading out? Mia, I thought you were just out studying with her two days ago. I hardly ever see you any more. Mom, I was home all day yesterday after school. It's not like I've been traipsing all over the place or anything. Martha couldn't help but get that small dig in. She sighed. You know, I told you Mia needed help in American government. We couldn't get through everything on Thursday. I didn't know you were going over today. Do you have a test? No, I don't have a test. You know me. I like to study as we go along. That way I don't have to worry when the test comes. Gotta keep those grades up. That's what I know, I know. That's what your father used to say. You're just going over to study, right? Of course, Mom. No need to worry. I'm not sneaking out anywhere. We're going over our American government. Mia's not doing well. She tells me the class is too boring. Helping her helps me. Can I go? Mia's at the door. Martha didn't feel like she needed to ask again, but she could see her mom was still worked up over the fight with Nick. Mary offered her a little smile. Okay, don't be too late. Martha gave her mom a quick hug, then the doorbell sounded again. Gotta go, Mom. Bye-bye. Martha called over her shoulder. Her grandmother waved and said goodbye. I'll try to be home for dinner, but you know how it is with Mrs. Rossi. Have a good time, Mary replied. Martha lifted a backpack up from the floor, hoisted it onto her shoulders, and then took off running for the front door. Why couldn't Nick be a little bit more like Martha? Why does he have to give me so much grief? Mary said quietly as she watched Martha pull the door closed and run to the waiting car. Anna pushed herself up from the cushioned rocker and corrected her daughter. Don't be so quick to criticize Nick. What am I supposed to do? He snuck out of the house without saying a word. He wasn't in his bed this morning. He could have been out all night for all I know. Mom, Martha gets straight A's. She's left to go study with Mia. I know, dear. The older woman understood her daughter's frustration and waited patiently for an opportunity to encourage her. They don't even have a test. For crying out loud, Nick doesn't study when he has a test. Mary... Comparing Martha and Nick isn't helpful. They're two completely different kids with two completely different lives. Nick is not so far gone as you think, and Martha has her own challenges. Ever since her father died, she's found her identity in getting perfect grades. That's not good either. Academics won't save her. Look, I'm trying to deal with Nick. Martha is going to be all right. She's got solid friends and is doing so well in school and in gymnastics. If she doesn't get an academic scholarship, she may just get one for gymnastics. I'm telling you, Nick is the one we've got to worry about. That's just it, Mary. You need to trust God and give him your worries. You know he cares for you and for your children. Come over here. Mary walked closer to her mom. Anna took her hand and gave it a gentle squeeze. A moment ago, you walked into this room so grateful Nick accepted the book to read. Don't let worry steal your joy. Let the book do its work. God is after that boy, she said encouragingly. You'll see. Oh, wow, what an adventure that lays before Nick. I can't wait to see what happens next. Right now, I'm joined by the author, Marty Michalski. Marty, how are you? I am doing just fine. Thanks for having me on your program. 
what an exciting start to what's sure to be a huge adventure. But listen, Marty, you were telling me earlier when we were talking that when you were a kid, Nick's age, you love to collect bugs? Yeah, I actually have a favorite bug. I don't know how many kids grew up having a favorite bug, but mine is the six-spotted tiger beetle. They're one of the coolest bugs around. They've got giant, yeah, they got giant jaws and they're bright, shiny green. They're like an emerald and they shimmer on the, on the forest floor on a path and you can see them just ahead of you, but they're tough to catch. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And is it, is it like a big bug or a little, little bug? Uh, it's a medium sized bug, about three quarters of an inch long. Uh, yeah, but if you ever see one, they shimmer and shine You'll just, you'll be like, oh my gosh, there's an emerald on the path. It, no, oh, it cool. just flew away. Wow. God's creation is so amazing. You know, and that brings us to a good point. Your story takes place, part of it anyway, before creation. What can you tell us? Just a hint about the dragon seed. Well, dragon seed is really the story of the Bible told in an allegory. And so I wanted to bring the audience in to see what was it like when the angels of heaven rebelled against God. They took up their swords in a battle to try to win the throne and steal it from the Lord. Well, the Bible gives us a hint of what took place, but by writing an allegory, I was able to imagine that great battle and actually put it into my story. Yeah, the gift of imagination from God is amazing. It really lets us explore some of the things we don't know all the details about. But I think that he inspires us to to dream and wonder and then try to dig into the Bible to find some of the facts about what was really going on and then picture it for ourselves. And I think that your story, Dragon Seed, has done a really good job of painting the picture of what pride can do, what it did there before the fall, and what it can do to our own hearts. I'm really curious about Nick and and where this all goes. I mean, I don't want you to spoil it, but does this turn out good for our friend Nick? Well, it does. It turns out good for him in the end, uh, but it takes a little while to get there. So uh, I would just say you need to read on and find out. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to pick up some more of this book. Uh, we only heard the first two chapters, and it left me hanging. So. I've got to know more. Where can my parents go to find this book and uh, and get it into my hands? Well, they can go to newgrowthpress.com and purchase it there or on Amazon. Very cool, Marty. Thanks so much for taking the time to write Dragon Seed and share Nick's adventure with us. I cannot wait to find out how it wraps up. Oh, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm glad to be on your show. Dragon Seed is a page-turning young adult fiction story which invites children and teens into the real-life struggles of Nick, but it also ushers them into an imaginative exploration of the life of the young man Jesus saved as he wandered through the tombs. Best-selling author Marty Machowski uses both stories to introduce the reality of spiritual warfare and how its shadows affect and change us. Dragon Seed is available at Amazon.com, and you can learn more about Marty at MartyMachowski.com.